from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. All right, our first Life to Labyrinth special episode. Steven, you ready? Oh, as ready as it can be. This album's pretty good, though. (laughs) (laughs) So we had originally discussed doing Halloween music for this episode, and then we kind of realized that that would probably lock us into having to do Christmas music, and we both agreed that that just isn't a thing that we want to do. So we decided to take the opportunity to use these special episodes as scattered throughout our seasons when we feel like it, maybe in conjunction with holidays, maybe not, to do sort of comedy albums or silly things and stuff that doesn't really fit our usual album rotation of trying to find popular or not so popular or anything like that. Comedy albums kind of don't sit anywhere. And so we're starting this time. We're going to try it and see how it goes. And I'm sure the format of this episode will change over the course of us doing them as our regular episodes do. But we're better to start than with the comedy song parody legend himself, Weird Al Yankovic. And as quoted by Homer Simpson, he who is tired of Weird Al is tired of life. <laughs> Dude, there had to be some Simpson shit in here. Like, I'm glad you took that right off the top because I was thinking, I was like, man, how do I work Simpsons into this even more? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the quote. It sounded right to me. I don't know. I've consumed a lot of Simpsons in my life. It's hard to keep it all straight. Like, <laughs> it is. I looked it up. It's right. I got it right. Woo! He who is tired of Weird Al is tired of life. <laughs> <laughs> so as Bryn said, we decided we were going to take a stab at Weird Al this week. And we decided... A great place to start is straight out of Linwood. And I don't know about Britain. 2006. 2006. So this one jumped out to me right away because like I've been listening to Red Out forever. He's one of my favorite artists. Uh, whenever I just need like a stupid fun pick me up, uh, Weird Al is always, you know, just kind of a guaranteed go. But yep. White and Nerdy, for whatever reason, is one of his songs that have, has always stuck out to me. And I mean, this would have dropped when I was in grade nine. So being the pasty, chubby little weirdo that I was in grade nine, <laughs> White and Nerdy just felt like both a perfect anthem and also a great way to kind of poke fun at the stereotypes. So like, right, we had our little yep. crew who were big into, as he mentions in the song, HTML and JavaScript, like that made us coding kings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, revisiting this album was a really, really fun time. And this was one of those ones I could kind of play anywhere. Like, me and Danielle just popped on songs here or there. We sat down, we listened to the whole album in the car today. And I don't know about you, I had such a, it was so much fun just revisiting this album after so long. There's some of these songs that I know off, I know every word by heart, but couldn't have told you what album they came from. Right. So it was kind of fun to see that there's quite a few of my, like, say top 10 songs on this album. Huh. I've never heard this album all the way through until we decided to do this. I've heard White and Nerdy. Um, I even saw the music video for it back when <laughs> I lived at my parents' house and we had a, we had satellite television back in the days when satellite TV was a thing that people really got. I'm sure lots of people still have it, but it feels like a, a thing of the past at this point. Yeah, uh, and I would st- I saw it on MTV or something back when MTV still played music videos and not reality television exclusively. So I, in 2006, I would have been 22? No, 18. I was 18 and... Born in 84, I turned 16 in 2000. So yeah, 20... Yeah, 22. 22. 22. 22. You're good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote Simpsons, but you don't know your own age. I feel it. 
I can't do my ma- my age math. I know how old I am now. <laughs> I know what age I was in the year 2000, but mostly because that's the year I got my driver's license, and I was more excited about that than anything. Right. And I know what years my kids were born and what years people in my life that are important to me were born. But in terms of like, how old were you in 1998? I'm like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I use John's birthday to cheat a lot of times because he was born 2010. So the math from 2010 is super easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this is my first listen to um, Weird Al for me. First Weird Al song I ever heard was Fat. <laughs> a classic. And I heard it as a, as a kid. My grandparents had a cottage and the cottage two doors down from them. There was a guy that was there with like his parents. He was a much older. His name was Aaron. And he was just like the coolest person I ever met at that point. And he had this album. And he was just playing fat like the whole weekend. Anytime we were there for a while, we didn't get to go and visit him too much because we were my brother and I were quite a lot younger than him. So we were kind of like, you know, the little kids from down the way. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. And so that was the first Weird Al I ever heard was fat. Um, I heard it before I actually heard bad. Damn. I remember seeing the music video for fat <laughs> and thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I still think it's fucking comedy gold. It's yeah. so stupid. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And from there, he kind of fell out of my life until I got older. And and at that point, the album that everybody was playing of his was Bad Hair Day. So that was the album, the only Weird Al album until now that I've heard all the way through is Bad Hair Day. So we'll have to get that to that on some episode. But yeah, I don't know. This, I, this one, yeah. I think my introduction to Weird Al mostly, honestly, came probably from YouTube, like trying to think back. But I'd say okay. it's either Eat It. Or, um, oh shit, what's the name of the song? I'm trying to think of the first song I remember hearing and Eat It and uh, Amish Paradise. That's the other one. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure which of the two I would have heard first. Um, it might have been Amish Paradise, though, because my brother was a way back when, when it was still cool, my brother was a huge Coolio fan. So <laughs> hearing a parody of Gangsta's Paradise, which was a song I heard approximately a thousand times more than I ever wanted to in my entire life. <laughs> was just a little bit of like karma justice for me. Yeah. And I still love I, it. <laughs> <laughs> Renee and I kind of not that long ago were reminiscing or like, you know, yeah, reminiscing about Weird Al. And we both realized that we could do Amish Paradise word for word a cappella. We're just like <laughs> sitting in her couch, sitting on her couch, being really old people, just sitting. That's <laughs> like, incredible. It was definitely one of those like mom and dad moments. <laughs> mom and dad are rapping like at 4.30 in the morning, I'm milking cows. Oh, and yeah. the kids are just like, what is happening in my life right now? My parents are the most uncool people. It's like, you don't even know, kids. You don't even know, you stupid Ariana Grande. You don't know what good music is. <laughs> so let's, that's, that's from Bad Hair Day. So again, we'll leave that for another day. So let's get back to, so yeah, straight out of Linwood. I never heard it before. Oh, I definitely heard White Nerdy. I might have heard Canadian Idiot at some point. None of the other songs were something I'd heard before. I haven't even heard some of the songs that they're parodying it. Like, I have not heard Trapped in the Closet. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't confidently tell you if I ever heard Trapped in the Closet. Like, I don't remember it. The beat sounds very familiar to me in Trapped in the Drive-Thru. And I love yeah. that he went for the full, like, 11-minute experience. Like yeah. that song is so surreal to sit and truly listen to. But yeah. I think that's what makes it part. Like, I think that's part of like 
kind of the genius of Weird Al's parodies is that he's able to keep it still familiar and he's he matches like tempo and tone so well. Yeah. Well, never like he very rarely, I should say, ever kind of veers into nonsense to make the songs work, which yeah. is just something I've always, always admired in Weird Al's music. But like, yeah, like fucking white and nerdy to fucking write in. Like how I just I want to know his process. Like, how does he sit down and listen to write in and then just like, how does it just come to him? And yeah. I love that you mentioned the music video because White Nerdy and Amish Paradise are probably the only two music videos of Weird Al's I've either ever seen or have any ability to remember. But I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget <laughs> the fucking rolled up bubble wrap. It's so good. The <laughs> song is so. Oh, I don't know if I've heard Amish Paradise or I've seen Amish Paradise's video. I probably have. The other one I remember a lot of the other than white and nerdy is smells like Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seen that one a bunch. Yeah. So do you find weird Al funny? Cause I don't find him funny, but I find him really clever. I think, I think it's fair to say that weird Al is never not clever. Like there's never been a weird Al song. I've listened to and been like, Oh, that's lazy or cheap. Or he really just kind of phoned it in. But I do, yeah. I do genuinely sometimes find him incredibly funny. Like Canadian idiot, idiot always fucking makes me laugh, especially like where where near the end he devolves into like that true stereotypical like American paranoia that Canadians are obviously only so polite because we're planning something. I don't know. Yeah. It just it always gets me. And then this album specifically, I'll sue you or I'll sue you, set to Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> well not inherently funny is such a incredible concept of satire that i find myself yeah. smiling like an idiot the whole way through because yeah yeah to to craft a song about being like that stereotypical over the top suing everybody for things that make no goddamn sense set to rage <laughs> against the machine is Oh, it's just that perfect blend of satire and criticism and tribute. I, oh, it's such a good song. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good. And I also really enjoyed Pancreas. <laughs> set to like, not quite a Beach Boy song, but very obviously supposed to be a Beach Boy song. Yeah, like... I kept trying to figure out which Beach Boy song he was parodying. So I looked it up and it just says style parody of Brian Wilson, which is exactly what it is. So it's like, even in those moments where it's like, he's not parodying a specific song, he's enough of a musician. Like he's a, he's a great musician to the point where like he can write a Brian Wilson song so that you know exactly that it's supposed to be sounding like the Beach Boys, but it's not a Beach Boys song. And he's singing about a pancreas. Like, yeah, the, the words are gross. <laughs> it so is. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's got all these beautiful harmonies and he's right there and like, Pet Sounds era, Brian Wilson. Yeah, and I think that's that's a thing that doesn't really get brought up with Weird Al a lot, is that his sound is quality. Like, it's good music. It's well-played, it's well-engineered, it's well-produced. And I think that goes a long way to making all of it possible and making it work. Um, and Pancreas, I actually like because he, like, shifts styles a couple times in the song, and you can almost yep. feel him, like... It's like he's sitting looking at a list of Beach Boy songs and being like, ooh, let's try the rhythm from this one a little bit. Or like, mm -hmm. let's switch to this one for the next verse. And yeah, you're right. It's a horrendously disgusting 
song lyrically <laughs> and it's it's so good that it's paired with that like that beautiful like aerodynamic harmony is oh man's a genius honestly like as far as comedy yeah. goes there's really there's nothing you could say to detract from the fact that he clearly has it like he knows what he's yeah, doing like everybody that has come after him anybody that does comedy music or parody music they're all like he is the gold standard yeah absolutely there will never be a next weird owl there's just going to be weird owl and people who are trying to be like weird owl mm-hmm. and and it's, it's like his musical knowledge not just like his ability to compose songs and write lyrics but like the amount of music he must consume to be able to come up with enough content for an album you know, like the song Close But No Cigar apparently is a style parody of Cake, which I had no idea of. Yeah, I didn't know until I looked it up. And I had to because I was like, what the hell is this? It's a good song. I really, really like it. But it is. I had no idea. What but it reminds me of how long it's been since I listened to Cake. <laughs> I, th- I think there might be a single Cake song I even know at this point. Definitely not a band for me. Yeah, I think I think the only song of theirs that I know for sure is their cover of copacabana i don't know if i think they did that i don't know i I could be completely (laughs) wrong yeah it's been so long but even like um and then the next one do i creep you out is a parody of do i make you proud by taylor hicks who was like (laughs) some random late series american idol winner Mm -hmm. his musical knowledge is just insane like we may get there if we do this podcast long enough we may get there but it's just it's insane to me how much music he must consume just to create his. Yeah, right. It's it's staggering to conceive not only that he's consumed it, but that he can so adequately like recall it and he can match it so perfectly stylistically that you know right away confessions right away. Danielle Mavan was like, yeah. holy shit, he did a parody of confessions by Usher. I'm like, yeah, the man has done everything and he does everything so well. Yeah. This album I do actually like because I don't know Weird albums enough. I might be wrong about this, but I think Polka Rama on this one is like almost like a break from his. I don't think he does that on a lot of albums, but Polka Rama is where he just does. He does like eight or nine different covers throughout the song. And they're. Yeah, he has those, I think, on almost all of his albums. I know the ones that I've heard, he's got, yeah, the like Polka Medley of a bunch of the top hits of the day kind of okay, thing. Yeah, puts the album I knew he, I knew he always did polka. Cause it's one of those weird out of nowhere things that I still kind of love about him that he just does polka to show that he can on top of all these different styles. He can also perform polka. Well, he's a accordionist, right? So it's probably well, that's where what he learned. First. Years and years and years ago, I did watch the behind the music on weird Al, And so, yeah, he was just like a nerd. Like we were, but uh but he was an accordion nerd <laughs> <laughs> so it's truly really but weird. i think yeah and i think the thing that kind of goes hand in hand with his success is how fearless he was because i'll remember I n- i'll never forget in the behind the music they talked about how he was playing at some festival or some like you know multi-band thing and he came on he was doing his stuff and i think it's when another one rides the bus came out which was his first song mm-hmm. they got any traction and, and it was basically people were booing him. They were throwing stuff at him. And he just like played harder. And he was like, oh, you hate that one? Well, you'll really hate this one. One, two, three, four. Like, <laughs> like this man had to be fearless yeah, to do what he was doing in public. Not just to, you know, be someone who created it in the studio and then just, you know, never went out on tour. And I think that really speaks to him. 
No, no. No, absolutely. I agree. Like he, he had to pioneer the genre. Like you said, he's the gold standard because he's the first one to do it at the level of success he found. And the only way to yeah. do that was, yeah, to push through all the venom and hatred that he was going to get, not only from people mad he was making fun of their favorite songs, but also people who didn't want to pay money to come listen to this gangly dude with a <laughs> with out of control hair play an accordion. Yeah. Yeah. I just credit to him. Like he I can't imagine the amount of work he had to put in to get that first kind of sliver of success that he then turned into what is ostensibly in a musical empire. Yeah, his work has earned him five Grammy Awards, a further 11 nominations, four gold records, six platinum records. His first top 10 Billboard album straight out of Linwood was this album. Uh, Single White and Nerdy were both released in 2006, uh, three decades into his career. And his latest album, Mandatory Fun in 2014, became his first number one album during its debut week. So like he, it's almost like Weird Al only gets stronger as he grows <laughs> older. Where most artists kind of go the other way. They peak out like in their 20s and stuff. And as they get older... You know, they're not as popular. Their ability to write songs that people can relate to become less because now they're successful. So they don't have that everyday struggle of trying to make it that creates the art that they become successful for. Weird Al can just continue to do what he does, but he's only going to get better at it with practice. He doesn't have to rely on, you know, he relies on other people to basically do the hard work for him. And then he just gets their permission to parody it. And so it's like the song's already written. He just has to go and like turn it into a Weird Al song, which I'm sure isn't easy, but it means he doesn't have to, like he will always be relevant as long as he continues to be good at what he's doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I was wondering too, like looking, when I looked it up and saw that like White Nerdy was his first platinum single, like Straight Outta Lin One was his first like platinum album. It made me wonder how much of it was too, like where I said, right? Like my first true, like, holy shit, Weird Al's this shit, like, was in 2006, would have been around when White and Nerdy came out, like, earlier in the year. And I wonder how much of that, though, too, is, right, like, the the emergence of the internet, the prevalence of YouTube at the time, because YouTube was where my grade, we consumed 90% of our pop culture through YouTube at that point. Right. And that was such a, there's such a dramatic shift from like our generation to the generation previous and like weird al was producing like i think fats from 88 or 89 isn't it like yeah. this man's been doing this for like two straight decades at this point and i think it's According to his wikipedia page he's been singing comedy since 1976 okay so five almost five decades now like man is incredible like that's a, that's an insane amount of longevity but for him to power through essentially like almost say a decade and a half of a generation that just wasn't having it for his music because it, could, yeah. it couldn't be consumed in a convenient fast way. Like it can now, mm-hmm. like I can listen to white and nerdy and then I can go listen to fucking Raiden right after it or vice versa. Yeah. And it, it really helps to like kind of elevate the depth and complexity of his parodies. Yep. So to me, it totally makes sense that straight out Linwood was his first like smash success because yeah, straight out Linwood dropped when YouTube was, huge like peak youtube before twitch and before all these competing services were around when it was google and youtube was pretty much the internet for an entire generation of kids and it's it amazing yeah it was, it was early it was early youtube before like youtubers were a thing yeah so people went to youtube to watch music they went to youtube to watch videos they couldn't find anywhere else like youtube now has just turned into an endless tv channel where people are now famous for being on youtube and in the day there really wasn't anybody like that. There was like the guy that did Kelly. Mm. You know, oh my God, shoot. Yeah. 
that guy was one of the first ones. There was a few, but it was like the the viral videos at the time were like keyboard cat and startled squirrel or whatever oh, it was. And that's a pretty important distinction, right? Is that was back when virality became a thing. Like Kelly and keyboard cat, like chopstick cat. Like, the episode's just called shoes, I think, that I remember. Yeah, and it's wonderful. And that was back like the Numa Numa guy. Yeah. But Numa Numa guy was on like a crappy like webcam. It's super grainy. Oh yeah. And he didn't turn into a YouTube star, right? Like he had a hit mm-hmm. that he tried to turn into another hit song. Like he didn't most people in this day and age, if they got a viral video, they would pivot into being some kind of YouTube personality at that yeah. point. Yeah. So I think he hit this perfect moment of so many people were consuming YouTube as their main source of music and like pop culture. And he was yeah. providing both of those things while also being, you know, funny and satirical and a, a type of sound and a type of entertainment. We, at least like my generation hadn't really seen or heard of before. Yeah. Like I knew weird Alan passing. Cause my dad listened to a couple songs back when he was like, quote unquote, counterculture. Mm-hmm. And that's what weird Al was for so long was just this weird, alternative counterculture artists that nobody really paid any attention to yeah and it blows my mind he just persevered for so long and now he's he's a household name i don't i personally don't know anybody who doesn't know who weird al is and could it couldn't yeah. list at least say two or three songs of his that they they know or love yeah he's like a universally known and loved artist like i'd say he's like in terms of general public knowledge of at least some of his songs even just one he's got to be up there with people like the rolling stones and the beatles yeah i i everyone knows sure. at least one weird al song the way everyone knows at least one beatles song or something like that right like he's up there with them and another thing just to add to his use of youtube and youtube being helpful to him is that he also really made really good use of music videos yeah the few of his music videos I've li- I've watched rather are great examples. Like Amish Paradise is hilarious to watch. I think Weird Al really understood early on that adding a visual component to his songs really helped sell kind of the mental image of it. Yeah. So yeah, like Amish Paradise is literally like a group of them dressed up like an Amish community. Like he's got the huge sideburns and beard, the like p- the flat top pilgrim hat on. And it's just cuts of him like plowing the field or working in a barn at midnight by candlelight. And it's authentic and inoffensive, but also very funny when you're listening to the way he's singing, right? Like this hardcore gangster rap. And then it cuts to somebody standing there churning butter in a bucket is just (laughs) he understands visual comedy, at least the equal level that he understands like parody comedy. And it just he's it just blows me away. He's just such a comedic talent overall, like. He just fully understands what he's doing and yep. he always delivers such a incredible polished product. Like you can, you can feel how passionate he is about what he does because he always makes sure to deliver at a level nobody else can match. Just to jump on that before we get away from your, your comments, mm-hmm. have you seen his movie UHF or the Weird Al show? Unfortunately, I don't think I have. Like it sounds familiar and I might've like kind of watched in passing at some point. But I couldn't confidently tell you I've actually ever seen it. Okay, because I've not seen UHF, but I remember the Weird Al show. And I just the reason I ask is just they would have kind of predated you being able to. And in one case, I suspect living (laughs) because UHF came out in 89 and Weird Al show came out in 97. Yeah, so I would have been young for the Weird Al show. UHF, yeah, I definitely wasn't around yet. Yeah, I just didn't know if at some point you maybe got. I figured there was a chance you might have gone back and watched UHF because it's a movie. 
and it's certainly easier to get your hands on movies than it is some weird, random, weird album. Yeah, TV see, show. like, I feel almost like as a kid, my dad probably watched say the weird owl show a couple times um because i have vague memories of watching a show with weird owl in it but whether that was just like a guest appearance or him his show i couldn't confidently say he also had those mtv specials and stuff that he did and he also did those like parody interviews with people so there's a lot of content of him not singing songs that you could have potentially like stumbled across or you know your dad watching they may have crossed your desk or something like that yeah so like i couldn't confidently recall any of it to you but i'm sure i've consumed it in some form because like there were a couple solid say five ten years and my dad really liked weird al just because it was something different and it was still that kind of in your face hey look at us changing up the music industry vibe that was his whole deal and also everybody likes to just have a good laugh every now and then but i can't i imagine he's hilarious to watch regardless like even even his like appearances refined down to be ordinary and familiar but also like just a little comically exaggerated like yeah. his giant hair that sometimes he'll throw in a ponytail that makes no goddamn sense. Or like <laughs> that, like, I think it was like early two thousands where he was rocking that, like that greasy little pencil stash he had for a long time. Well, he had a mustache for like forever. Yeah. And it wasn't until I think straight out of Linwood or shortly like around that time that he shaved off his trademark mustache and he went like clean shaven. Yeah. So he might even had it for longer than I'm thinking. But yeah, that like super wispy little two line mustache he rocked for a bit like was ridiculous, but also (laughs) so genuine. Like I look at Weird Al and part of me is like, that's a dude who's just very comfortable with who he is and what he likes. But also I'm like, is it kind of a bit every time he leaves the house? Like, and I imagine that's got to be part of it, right? Like, where we talked about YouTube personalities or say like Twitch personalities, right? A big part of the strain and the work and the stress of those jobs is that you kind of have to be on all the time. And that doesn't end when the camera ends because the internet exists. So like when you leave the house, you have to be representative of your own brand. And Weird Al's just been doing that for 30 years prior to it being a career option which is insane now that i say it out loud but yeah right yeah so apparently he rocked his classic look of glasses mustache and short curly hair from 79 to 98 at which point he got uh, i guess he had eye surgery Mm. he changed his look at that point but that's like bob ross levels of commitment to a look because when i picture it on my head it's ahead it's that it's the short curly hair the big glasses his little like wispy stash and then usually like a bright hawaiian t-shirt of some sort and like the cover of Straight Outta Limum, part of that's obviously parodying the Straight Outta Compton, but it's yeah. him in the like sports jacket with blue jeans. And it's so weird to me to see Weird Al just dressed like that. Just urban contemporary just seems so weird on him now. Yeah. And it actually isn't until kind of this moment that I realized he's not wearing glasses anymore. I could, I, I was so startling to me when he shaved his mustache off. I completely missed the fact that he was no longer wearing glasses. Right? Isn't that kind of crazy to think about <laughs> that? They were such key parts of his look that to get rid of one, you kind of just blinded to the rest. Cause you're like, what? The mustache yeah. can't be gone. Like where's your Hawaiian t-shirt? But yeah, I don't know if I've ever really stopped to think of the fact that he doesn't have glasses on. Yeah. So like, we'll touch on the album a bit here. A couple one, like White and Nerdy to me is so good. I totally understand why it's his first platinum. It's catchy. It's funny. It's super relatable to the, the audience he was catching at the time. And it's just listening to it now. It's hilariously outdated. HTML and JavaScript just, I don't know. They make me fucking laugh every time. Because I know for a fact there was a point where I thought knowing those things made me hot shit. 
(laughs) I know 100% I was that asshole for a while. So it's just funny to revisit that. Meanwhile, Java's being phased out of like programming entirely. Java and Flash are essentially just, we're getting rid of them forever. So (laughs) (laughs) another one I want Confessions, I think might be honestly my favorite off this album, just because it's such a perfect parody of Usher's style and like Confessions Part 2 and the way it just it just builds it still has that feeling of building up to something like explosive but it's always just ridiculously Mm -hmm. inane shit he's confessing and then like at the end when he mentions how he's halfway through the list and he's gonna have to put out a Confessions Part (laughs) 4 funny (laughs) shit but one I really wanted to touch on was actually Weasel Stomping Day so oh my god that song's so gross (laughs) I listened to it with headphones on yeah Yeah, you can't fucking stand it. So Weasel Stomping Day, Don't Kill Animals is bad. Animal Cruelty, real bad. Weasel Stomping Day is funny, but Weasel Stomping Day, I was actually, I thought maybe you were going to mention silly, but Weasel Stomping Day is actually from The Simpsons. I can't tell you what season or episode, but Weird Al shows up in town for the Springfield annual Weasel Stomping Day. And it's, yeah, it's this holiday they throw where the town gets overrun by weasels. So everybody puts on these giant fucking steel-toed boots and just stomps on weasels that day and it's horrific and shitty but like in the song (laughs) where he says oh it's it's a tradition so that makes it okay is just such a perfect especially right now like in the climate we're in is such a great criticism and satire of like american mentality and right that's what the simpsons was doing that's what made the simpsons what it is is it from the simpsons because i can't find any reference to positive it's in the simpsons I think like they're talking about whacking day. Snake oh, maybe that's day. what I'm thinking. I don't remember. I think you're thinking of that because I just I looked it up and it looks like potentially it was in Robot Chicken. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking snake whacking. Yeah, I think you're thinking of whacking day, which had Barry White in it. But I think Weasel Stomping Day is from Robot Chicken. Maybe I haven't watched enough Robot Chicken, but that's just kind of doing a quick Google search. Apparently, Weird Al was in the episode Three Gays in a Condo. I know he's been in a couple of Simpsons episodes, most notably the yeah. '90s one. Yeah, he was in Three Gays of the Condo and then that 90s show. There's definitely a Weasel Stomping Day Robot Chicken video. Yeah, maybe it's just like this weird... It's just I can picture him in my head in the style of Simpsons, so maybe it's just like this weird where brains just fuck up and amalgamate memories. But like I distinctly in my head can picture Weird Al with these stupid boots on in the Simpsons animation. So my brain apparently short-circuited on that. But regardless, it still (laughs) stands that Weasel Stomping Day is an incredible indictment of the ridiculous lengths people will go to to adhere to tradition and right especially in the states but as gross as it is i think out of all of the songs it's probably the most kind of like the the most like direct indictment of a prevalent type of personality because right a lot of times weird al is just hey let's have fun poking at these songs that everybody knows yeah then every time every now and then like all suya and like weasel stomping day he touches on the ridiculous bullshit people use to ex- like to excuse their really shitty behavior. Yeah. So those two have always stood out to me. But yeah, I think Confessions Part Three, honestly, is probably my favorite song on this album. Or uh-huh. Do I Creep You Out? Because yeah, that song is creepy as shit. Makes my skin crawl when I listen to it. Just some of the stuff he describes doing. <laughs> it's just it's also clever, and yeah, it just kind of the visuals he gives you are just like shuddering like yeah skin crawling is is good 
is, is a really good way of putting it. So looks like I was totally thinking. I will say that I didn't have an opportunity to listen to this album too many times, but Close But No Cigar definitely stuck out for me outside of White and Nerdy. And then down, don't download this song as like a parody of those 80s. <laughs> you wouldn't download um, a car. <laughs> well, it's a parody of those like 80s charity songs, like mm-hmm. We Are the World and stuff, which I think is really funny. <laughs> it is. It's it's so good. And I think it's a really good, it's a really good end of the album. I think it's it's a really good kind of break of pace from Trapped in the Drive-Thru. Because while I think Trapped in the Drive-Thru is funny, at almost 11 minutes long, it's a lot. <laughs> like it's... It was a song I listened to. Yeah, it's to hard once. to get through it. And yeah, subsequent <laughs> listens, I wouldn't. When you hear the first two minutes of the song, you know what the next eight minutes are going to be like. It's so, but that's yeah. part of the the parody, so I don't want to like fault it too much. Because R. Kelly was known for these ridiculously over-the-top long songs. Have you listened to Trapped in the Closet? I've only seen reference to it in South Park. I know I've heard it. Um, my brother was a big R. Kelly fan for a while. I couldn't tell you any specifics about it because i don't it's not my style of music and it's not the kind of song i would listen to now i wonder how long it is trapped in the closet oh my god trapped in the closet has 33 yeah, chapters dude, it's, right that's i remember that being kind of like a key thing with r kelly was these these he would make these giant sprawling epics of r&b but ultimately they boiled down to a lot of repetition and the same shit over and over again he would change some words, but his style wouldn't really change much. So I really like that we now went the full like 11 minutes of the same kind of shit happening just verse to verse, just slightly changed in location. Yeah. Or like when they get yeah. to the drive through and he, he says drive through like eight times in a one minute span and it's grating yeah. and ridiculous, but it's such a good it's such a good criticism and parody. It's a pretty spot on parody right? of our Kelly. <laughs> so, yeah, like. I'd say Confession's my favorite. Oh, man, if I had to pick a least favorite, it honestly would probably be Weasel Stomping Day. Just because the sounds of yeah. the weasels being stomped is fucking gross. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's the <laughs> robot chicken. I looked up a kind of a, a picture of it. I think it's the robot chicken I'm, I'm picturing in my head. But in my head, it's like that episode, but done as The Simpsons for some reason. I think that's just probably okay. because I've consumed an unhealthy amount of The Simpsons in my lifetime. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would have I would have argued fucking up and down before the internet existed that that was a Simpsons thing. So that's my bad. <laughs> I did learn something today. Oh well, no harm. Apparently, the I looked up "Trapped in the Closet" and the whole thing, the whole running time is ninety one minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Chapters one to twelve is forty three minutes. Chapters thirteen to twenty two, forty eight minutes, and then forty two minutes for the next installment. Oh my God. And then 42 minutes for chapters 23 to 33. Right? Like, that's just an obscene length of time <laughs> for music. R. Kelly deserves to be in prison. <laughs> Regardless of all of the other far more horrible things he's done. That should have been the start of his prison sentence. But right? Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, I can't really say much beyond I really love Weird Al. I think he's a master of his craft in more than one way. I think he's... He's a comedic genius. I think his understanding of pop culture, music, and like satire rival the greats. I don't know if there's anybody I could think of off the top of my head that I consider to be a more well-rounded talent than Weird Al. You've got people like Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert who are kind of contemporary kings of satire, but I wouldn't trust Stephen Colbert to put together a 40-minute comedy album by any goddamn means. I'm sure he would do it. He's a bit of a lounge lizard, but he certainly wouldn't find the success yeah, that Weird Al like, has. Would he do it? Probably. Do I think he would do it well? Mm, I'm kind of on the fence with that. And I, 
I love Stephen yeah, Colbert. Yeah, now that I say it, I kind of debate whether or not he would be able to write the whole thing himself. Because Stephen Colbert is a very funny man. But for the last 15 years, he's yeah. been on TV. Like, he's had a team of writers working with him. So it's like, you know, yes, he comes across as very clever. And he comes across excellent. And he's a great actor. And he's funny and all of that. But he's also working with, as all the late night guys are, material that a team of writers yeah, has put exactly. together. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's, I straight up, I'm a fucking Colbert fanatic. I love him. I think he is he is the best satirist we've seen. I think he's better than Jon Stewart by a fucking mile, honestly. Um, I don't think they're very comparable. I think, like, the Colbert rapport was never supposed to be taken yeah. seriously. But the Daily Show, I would argue, That's was true. it was supposed to be sad. It was satire, a hundred percent. But John Stewart was being John Stewart. Stephen Colbert was playing Stephen Colbert, the angry yeah, Republican. That's true, right? Like that character, he's gotten in trouble for like for playing that character a couple of times on his new show because the character is technically owned by Comedy Central or something like that. Like there is a like he basically needs to get permission to do that character. On is he on the Tonight Show? I, think I always forget. Show. Honestly, all their names are so fucking similar. <laughs> yeah, the, the sort of late show, the late show, the late late show, the Tonight Show, <laughs> the almost tomorrow show. Like I don't. Yeah, the Stephen Colbert's new show. If he wants to do it on, yeah, if he wants to do the character, he has yeah, to get permission because he doesn't own the. I think Stephen Colbert is just a very funny, charismatic man, and I think he understands. He understands how to do exaggerated satire without it being cheap and cringy as it were because yeah like mm-hmm. his segments about like running for president as the republic nominee are some of the funniest shit i've ever seen did you ever see when he was yeah. on the daily show where he's yeah. like where he started some of that like i remember him trying to litter at somebody <laughs> yeah. at one point oh yeah because my dad used to love the daily show he's a big john stewart fan so that's where my introduction yeah. to Stephen colbert was um but yeah i for sure wouldn't i think colbert is very good at what he does whereas weird al is very good at a great number of things that allows him to do what he yeah. does. Like the amount of work and time and effort Weird Al must have put in to create what he's creating has to be just astronomical. Yeah. Like, especially after this long doing it, I can't imagine what his like his notes and his right, like his process notes and stuff must look like. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's why, like I say, I think he's up there with some of the most well-known and universally loved artists, whether, you know, everybody goes through a weird Al phase, whether you go through it in your twenties or you go through it in middle school. My weird Al phase was in middle school as was most of the people I knew, but I was in middle school when bad hair day came out. My former brother-in-law loved weird Al in middle school to the point where like Renee and I, well, not me so much anymore. He and I haven't talked in a number of years now, unfortunately. But we remind him constantly of how much he loved Weird Al, where he was like, you know, when I was growing up, it was all about rush and cra- classic rock. And we're like, and Weird Al. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Like, I guess that's probably a trend you would see. Because, like, really, middle school would have been where I kind of discovered Weird Al and got into it. I think Weird Al's that one weird thing where, like, it appeals to kids or preteens because it's ridiculous and funny and stupid. But as you listen to it more as an adult and you start kind of understanding the complexity and the nuance straight up, I listen to weird Al hater miss. Like I listen to songs I love, but listening to this album kind of gave me a whole new appreciation of him as an artist and his music. And 
I think honestly, I'll just I'm gonna listen to a shit ton more Weird Al moving forward because kind of <laughs> grasping those extra layers, um, like those the satire and kind of like the criticism, I think really is what makes his talent so profound. And that's not something I would have discovered yeah. at fucking not like what 13, 14 years old. But to rehear it now yeah. at 27, I was like, holy shit, like this is really good. I don't really like Virus Alert much as a song just because I don't like the style of song. Mm-hmm. But I distinctly remember the kind of Trojan horse pandemic people thought was happening on the internet back when viruses were first starting to appear. And it was like Y2K all over again. Like people thought the world was going to end because hackers were dumping Trojan viruses all over the web. And his ability to. Yeah. Again, yeah, very dated. Right? And that too, like <laughs> this album's super dated. Absolutely. But it's still super enjoyable. But yeah, Virus Alert 100% is just playing on that. That re- like I remember my mom being like, ooh, make sure to triple check your emails. Like if you're unsure, come get one of us and make sure you don't like open a virus. Yep. And looking back on it now, it seems like the most ridiculous shit to worry about. Like <laughs> I get fucking notices that my computer stopped the virus probably five, six times a day. Like they're just such a mm-hmm. endemic part of the internet now and most of them are relatively harmless but i do distinctly remember that kind of community mindset that you know it was gonna be a virus on an email that started the next y2k and it was just kind of like a fun little throwback to like oh yeah i do remember people being way too freaked out about that shit and i probably wouldn't have cared much about the song then but as like almost like a an anchor of nostalgia now it just somehow is more appealing yeah, I, I could as a nostalgia thing. It's sort of a all these albums are kind of a cool snapshot of what popular culture in the music industry was at that time. And I think they, that's why they don't age well, particularly. But I think that's also why he does his polka medleys is to sort of bring you back to the other songs that were in style at the time. And I think that's also part of the reason that he's so popular with sort of middle schoolers and people in high school is that he's parodying songs that are exceptionally popular and people who don't like popular music can enjoy these Weird Al songs and then sort of loudly yell them at people who are listening to them. <laughs> yeah. Like if someone was listening to Raiden and you were a guy that really didn't right, like for it sure. for whatever your closed minded reasons were. Oh, I don't like rap music. I don't like Chameleon Air or like, fuck it. It's popular music and I'm far too cool yeah. for popular music. You could be like, yes, some they were trying to enjoy their song, be like, white and nerdy, like just like try and ruin it for them you're because you're kind of suck, and we've all been there at some point. <laughs> oh, I've been that person. Part of the reason that I wanted to do this is because I wanted to sort of expose myself to more than my closed-minded attitude, and you know, and it's been a lot of fun for that reason. But I was definitely one of those sure. people where it's like I didn't want to know popular music; I had no interest in it at all. I just wanted to listen to grunge music from the '90s, classic rock. And, and it's not since I've become an adult with, in, in fairness, a lot more access yeah. to music with Spotify and YouTube and all that, that um, I decided to start branching out. And that's where this kind of came from, where you and I both agreed that we wanted to do that sort of together for fun. But I could see people like when you're in that mindset of like everybody's music sucks, but yours, Weird Al offers you a way to make fun of people who like pop. Yeah, music. actually, I think that's a really, really good point, because for sure, I would have been that kind of fucking shitty little teen who did that shit like i would have thought it was the funniest crap in the world and right that's just kind of a part of growing up is learning to empathize and understanding there's more to the world than what you've seen and your worldview is narrow and probably not great um and yeah weird al 
it's yeah, like at the time, Weird Al was a fun way to be counterculture and kind of against the grain. Whereas now it's just kind of like a fun little stroll backwards. And I'm glad you actually touched on it being like a snapshot of the time because that I that's one of my things I really, really love about Weird Al is that you can you could pick essentially let's say like a decade or a genre of music, um, an era of music, and then pick a corresponding Weird Al album. And he gives you a quick, yeah, like 40 minute rundown of kind of what was getting radio play, what was popular, what were people singing. And it's just yeah. kind of like a weird, fun little memorial of music history sang through <laughs> comedy and parody songs. Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, to be honest, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. It was enjoyable. I thought it was really, really fun that we decided to do this. And I think it's going to give us this really fun window to expand our podcast beyond sort of you know mainstream artists and stuff like that a little bit more that we were kind of looking for a window and like how do we make this more like a labyrinth and we're not just kind of jumping all over the place but we can actually sort of do music that doesn't make sense for what we're doing normally so i'm really glad Mm -hmm. that we're doing this and i I actually i'm glad that we decided to do this instead of you know just straight up listening to halloween music or something like that because i think this gives us a lot more flexibility and opens a lot more doors for things that we can do and doesn't lock us into you know, well, there's a holiday, so we should talk about that kind of music. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, it was nice to it was nice to do something different, and it's nice as you know, as like a pair recording, like it's nice to kind of break format a little bit and give ourselves something a bit more fun and a bit more relaxed that we can do. I think yeah. it's it's a good way to stop things getting like monotonous or almost like like I don't know, I can't think of the word, but like instead of it feeling like a job or a, a responsibility, it'll help keep things fun. Yeah. And like Brennan talked about earlier, we're kind of planning to do more of these. Whether we correspond in the holidays or not, we're going to kind of leave that up in the air. They'll just be fun little mystery bonus episodes we drop every now and then. But if anybody out there listening has any recommendations for silly or fun, unconventional, you know, songs or artists like this, feel free to reach out and let us know. This is the kind of music I would absolutely love to have more sources for. Because it's not something that Mm -hmm. naturally kind of comes up in my playlists or recommendations. I didn't have a ton of luck kind of searching out more. I mean, like Weird Al, Lonely Island being the other really big one. I kind of talked to Brin off air a little bit about Ninja Sex Party because they're kind of a personal little favorite of mine. Yeah, we've talked about, what was the other one we talked about? Uh, Flight of the Concords. We might be dying. Oh yeah, the prettiest you mentioned, but I hadn't heard of them. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if, yeah, if you think of anything other than kind of those bands and stuff, or if there's a specific album and maybe one of those artists that, you know, you want to put your vote in for, cool. We're, we've also been kind of playing with the idea of doing like mixed albums that were released. Like we've talked about doing the Big Shiny yeah. Tunes album and looking at those. So, you know, it, again, like I know if you're listening and you want to hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, by all means, uh, Life Number Two Labyrinth, that's Life the number two labyrinth, not the word number. I know it's I know. so weird. To it's say just that, difficult right? to try and convey <laughs> that to people. Yes, our our Insta and Twitter is the word life, the number two, the word labyrinth. So life number two labyrinth. You can hit us up. Stephen generally takes care of the Twitter. I take care of the Instagram. So if there's one or the other of us that you want to slide into our DMs, that's kind of how you find one or the other of us. We do have an email address, but we're not giving it out yet because neither of us is particularly watching it. So if you want to hit us up, yeah, by all means. And uh, thanks for listening. We're not going to do a songbird because every single song on this album. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad because I was like, man, if he asks me, I have no idea what I'm going to say. 
no, there's no songbird. They're all they're all way different. It doesn't make make sense. And I want to break away from our our usual format. So we wanted to keep this to about an hour, which we've done. We wanted to not really necessarily break this the album down too much, song by song. We wanted to get away from that. I didn't want to do a songbird. Let's just talk about what it's like to revisit Weird Al. And I think I think we've done that. Unless there's no, actually, I was just going to say same thing. Like, thank you. Thank you for going along with the suggestion. I had a lot of fun revisiting this album. It was really fun to just kind of think and talk and experience Weird Al all over again and really kind of appreciate what he brings to the table. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just a fun, quick little adventure. And I'm excited to do more stuff like this, honestly. Yeah, me too. So stay tuned. The two of us are kind of getting busier here in the next little bit. Steven's going to be away for a while. Um, I'm starting a new second job, but we're going to keep going and we're going to keep doing it as best we can. And uh Unfortunately, the reality is we may not have the time to devote to listening to the albums quite as much, but we're still going to enjoy listening to them and break them down and chat about them and all that kind of stuff. And we'll still try and get the episodes out to you on Wednesdays or Thursdays every week. I'll do my best. You're killing it. You're <laughs> killing it. You're good. All right. I, and that's it for me. I, no, like I, said, no, I think got we're more. good. That's, we'll call it there. All right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us on our special little Weird Owl episode. More to come down the road at some point. And thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth.